0: Hello, and welcome to the Crossroads podcast, the show where Mark Meckler and Rita Peters discuss hot-button issues from a biblical perspective, helping to equip other Christians to bring light to a darkened culture. Rita is the Senior
1: Vice President of Legislative Affairs, and Mark serves as the CEO and co-founder for Convention of States Action. Find out more by visiting conventionofstates.com.
2: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Crossroads, where faith and culture meet. I'm your host, Rita Peters, along with my co-host, Mark Meckler. Mark, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. I'm excited for this episode, Rita. It's a subject near and dear to my heart.
2: Yeah, I know it is. This is Veterans Day weekend, everyone. And I don't know about you, Mark, but for me, Veterans Day is one of those holidays that I don't think about a lot until it's actually upon me. Do you generally observe Veterans Day?
1: Um, You know, I hadn't until my son went into the military. My son did four years in the Marine Corps, and it really caused me to think about what it means that folks are actually willing to sign on the dotted line. And, you know, when they take that oath, Rita, it's kind of amazing. I didn't realize until I watched my son do it, they take an oath to defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. So obviously, what we do, uh, trying to work a constitutional solution to the nation's problems, that's exceptionally meaningful to me. So Since he joined, uh, and that's a few years back, yeah, I think about it a lot.
2: Yeah. Well, I have just grown up with incredible respect and admiration for our men and women in service. Mm-hmm. My dad was career Air Force, so I just I grew up around the military. I moved around a lot and saw how hard these men and women work and, you know, witnessed how much they love their country and the sacrifices they made. So, I'm excited to do this program today. You know, I did a little bit of research. Veterans Day started as a day to reflect on the heroism of those who died in our country's mm-hmm. service, and it was originally called Armistice Day. It fell on November 11th. That was the anniversary of the signing of the armistice that ended World War I. And then in 1954, the holiday was changed to Veterans Day in order to account for all veterans in all wars, which I think is very appropriate so in honor of veterans day mark we're going to interview a veteran whom we know and love a lot because he works with us at convention of states action his name is bud cornwell bud welcome to crossroads
0: thank you very much rita it's a pleasure as always to be with you guys
2: now bud serves as our technical services manager at convention of states that just means that Whenever I or someone else is stuck with our technology, Bud is on speed dial for me. He's my go to guy and he gets me out of a lot of fixes all the time. But I know we all at Convention States know um, how proud Bud is of his years of service and, you know, as he should be. Um, He is very open about that, and we love that about Bud. So let's just start, Bud, by having you tell us why you joined the military and what that was like for you.
0: Rita, I grew up in rural Louisiana in the middle of nowhere for years. However, I was part of the Boy Scouts, specifically called the Explorer Scouts. And my Scoutmaster was a retired Marine Lieutenant Colonel. He was pretty hard on us, if you know what I mean, and we did a lot of winning canoe races, all kind of stuff. So, and I had, a, you know, a, a background with my dad and and living in that environment. So I decided that I wanted to be like Colonel Robert Miller, my advisor. He's like my second dad. So I joined the Marine Corps based upon that, and it was. One of the best decisions I ever made in my life. Hmm. Now it fit me as an enlisted person, and some people it doesn't. But the reason I joined is because I wanted that adventure. I wanted that, you know, esprit de corps. I wanted to be a Marine.
1: You know, we all have pictures in our mind of, of what it's going to be like when we sign up. Obviously, you yeah. had people you looked up to that have been in the military. So you sign on the dotted line, you end up going off to boot camp. Was the Marine Corps what you expected it to be?
0: That's a that's a very interesting question. I've had that asked me a, a few times. What the, the expectation was, I knew I was going into a structured environment. That, that I already knew. And because I grew up in a structured environment, that was no surprise to me. What did surprise me about the Marine Corps was the number of recruits or kids because we were kids right that this was like shocking all of them that's what i was not prepared for that i felt like how could we submit so many weak individuals into this corps how are they going to become marines so i i knew what the marine corps was because of colonel miller uh for many years treating us like we were Marines. So I didn't have a, an issue with joining the Marine Corps. I had an issue with other people in the Marine Corps, if you know what I mean. Other than that, it was great.
2: <laughs> so, But those weak people that you saw join up and you thought, how are they gonna be Marines? Did they become Marines? What? How did it go? What happened to them?
0: <laughs> Absolutely, the majority of them do make it through the training. And they become the the young men that they should have become before they even walked in the door. Hmm. Simply put, boot camp for Bud was very simple. It was easy. It was structured. Get up, do this, go there, you know, follow orders. I had no problem with any of that stuff. But some of these kids, you know, it had to be ingrained and they had to be polished and smooth to wear that Marine uniform when they come out.
1: Mm. Would you say that it changed you at all? I mean, it sounds like you went in, you were almost a a young Marine when you went in. How, How did your experience in the Corps change you?
0: It absolutely did change me. And let me tell you what changed about it. I had more respect for the military in general, not just the Marine Corps, but all the military. Throughout boot camp, when you first go in, you learn all of this history a lot of this history is not taught in the civilian world so we see combat footage real combat footage of you know people dying blowing up and so i had and learned what changed me was the tremendous respect for people that are in the military that's the biggest change that i got coming out of uh, boot camp
2: Well, Bud, we know that you are a Christian. You love Jesus. Um, I don't know how your testimony fits in with your military service, and you're welcome to share that if you like to. Um, But, you know, I, I want to hear from you. What is it like do you think it's hard to be a Christian in the military? How did how are the two things intertwined? How do they go together?
0: I'm gonna to tell you something that a lot of people don't believe. And even when I tell them, they go, I don't get it. Believe it or not, the Marine Corps and the services are more Christian than many people are. Hmm. The military is very religious, both whatever side it is, but the point is. Is it difficult to be a Christian? Not when I was in. Now, you got to remember, I retired 22 years ago. So I don't know what the attitudes are today. I want to assume that it's the same. For instance, anytime we have any type of big formation or celebration or promotion, we always have a chaplain and he's always praying. We always pray. And we thank God every day for what we have and what we do. So I don't think it's difficult for a Christian in the military. Well, again, uh, you know, it's been quite a few years since I retired, but I still have to believe it's the same way.
1: So, but you had a, what was the length of your total career in the military? I did went?
0: 20 years and 10 days. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, you know, exactly. So 20, exactly years, to the day, 20 years, 10 days. You have a pretty good understanding, at least when you were in, and I assume you're in touch with a lot of young folks who are in the military. Yes. What do you think is a, Something that average people don't understand about what it's like to be in the military.
0: Some people have an idea, but they're very far and few between. And it, for instance, let's say you're you're a firefighter example. You're a police officer. So they have that type of training and that type of structure so they can get a, a specific idea of it. What the normal civilian doesn't know is you are not what's important. The mission and you, your fellow men and women is what's important, and they have a hard time understanding why we are have such a bond as the military because this is how we're trained. We're trained as as a unit, as people put together, and not individuals. So if you're thinking that you're going to go in the military because of me and it's all about me 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 or guess what you're going to have a very hard time in the military because they'll 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 fix you up real quick if you're uh, that kind of person so i don't think a lot of civilians understand it's not personal it's not you when you get in there you become part of the unit
1: i think this is so relevant to crossroads and because we're talking we talk a lot about the culture Obviously, the military has its own culture and the military, I know we're going to get into this later, and the military has definitely changed over the years, but I want to specifically deal with this issue of mission versus me. That's what you're talking about. We talk about this a lot in our organization about being mission-oriented versus me-oriented. In in the modern world, in the military now, we have recruitment, which is focused on individuality. Uh, and you know, to be more specific, it's they've got transgender influencers. In other words, that's all about me and what I think I am, what I want to be. Uh, and, and they're focusing on diversity uh, in their idea of diversity, which primarily means color and gender ideology and sexuality diversity. All of those things that they're talking about in those recruiting ads and in, and in what our military seems to be moving towards today are all into individualistic things. They're not about the mission. They're not about sacrificing me for others are you seeing that or are you worried about that in the military this focus on individuality?
0: Absolutely it's it's ecstatic nowadays how the what what is happening is these people that become these military men and women are still so self-centered because of the culture. That when something normal, normal operation or normal orders or normal attitudes or somebody screams at them, which is normal in the military, they go off in left field and they take it personal. And that's very difficult for any unit to to be able to withstand is when people think that it's personal. It's not personal. You're screwing up. And because you're screwing up, you're affecting the whole unit. You need to understand that. You need to stop doing what you're doing so that the unit can be safe and do what they're going to do. And a a lot of these kids are like you're talking about with this me, me attitude. They put it to you this way. They want to form the military the way they want it to be and not how it actually should be, which is what is our military for? I hate to say it. It's to do some very bad things to some very bad people. That's the best way to explain it.
2: You know, it's it's interesting, um, Mark, I, I picked up on the same thing and wanted to comment on that too. This idea of mission first, mission before me, is something we talk a lot about in our organization. And, you know, it's interesting because our our culture in America I mean we're we're known throughout the world as being a very individualistic society but it seems like historically the military has been maybe the one place where that's not the case and it seems to me I am a civilian but it seems to me like it really has to be that way like how do you how do you have an effective military that's capable of doing the things that needs to do, if people are focused on themselves rather than just focused on joining together to accomplish the mission, right? It doesn't seem like that would work very well.
0: It's not going to work very well at all. Great example is when you, especially when you're in a combat zone, you have to rely on each other. It's not like you got eyeballs all the way around your head. So you have this whole unit, that's moving as they're going through there. And that you're relying on those people to see what's going on and make sure that you understand to keep us all alive. So it's it's a interaction that's tremendous. You're talking about trust. Can you imagine being in, in, in a unit and you're going on a mission for the first time and half a dozen of them you've never met in your life But guess what you have to do? You have to put 100% trust in them. And you've never even met them. You don't even know who they are. What do you have in common? The military, the structure, the discipline, the training. That's what makes being in the military easy to handle because you don't have to do it by yourself. Hmm. You do it as a team.
2: Yeah, and you know, it seems to me, Bud, that that is one way in which the military, the training that people get through the military really prepares them to then, you know, at some point later to go out into society and be a tremendous asset to pretty much any organization, business, whatever. Have you seen that? Do you think someone who has military service and training is, um, Someone who is, you know, maybe better prepared than someone who doesn't have that to go and be an asset to an organization or a business.
0: I can tell you this much is very easy for a military guy to handle any type of, of letdown.
2: Hmm.
0: You know, when I when I got out of the Marine Corps, I was, I was applying for multiple jobs. No, no. I just kept going on. It's just part of the, the nature. I knew eventually I'm going to get hired and they're going to get benefits out of it. Here's the thing about the military. You don't get to sleep when you want to sleep. You don't get to do things when you want to do them. You do that on leave when you're not on active duty. But when you're actually doing part of being a Marine, it's all structured. You have to be here at this time. You have to do this. You got to have that type of equipment. All that is ingrained until it becomes second nature. So wouldn't it be great if you have a company that that relies on those skills, being there on time, delivering on time, doing those things on time? Why wouldn't a military person be a perfect fit to put in there instead of somebody that hasn't had that kind of structure and decides, well, I'm just going to show up half today or whatever, whenever I want to? That's the impact that military... Uh, I believe a lot of people don't know. One thing Mark was asking, what they don't, don't know about military, there's a lot of very high-ranking CEOs and business owners in this country that are military, generals and colonels and gunnies and, that have used that fortitude. Matter of fact, I'm going to be talking to a guy today. He did 10 years in the Marine Corps as an enlisted guy, got out. Now he's a doctor. He's a doctor and, you know, I'm going to be interviewing him sometime today and I'm excited about it because great example. Why did you become a doctor? What gave you the ability to become a doctor? And I guarantee he's going to say my military service.
2: Okay.
1: So, Bud, it's, it's obviously we're doing this for Veterans Day. So we're trying to honor our veterans. You know how we feel about that. Our organization and Rita and I feel about that. We have family that have served or are serving so in a general sense, though, when you look at the nation today, uh, maybe even compared to our past, do you think that we're doing a good job of honoring our veterans? I would say no. And, and let me explain to you why. It's
0: it's not necessarily what people would think that while they're disrespecting us and so forth. I don't think that what it is. What I think the problem is, is a, the a vast amount of Americans – have been ingrained that the military is just these people they send off to do something. And then, you know, they they choose to go into military. Also what's most important is it depends on where you're at. So for instance, here in Alabama, I can't walk around with this hat without somebody thinking no matter where I go, because it's huge in the South. Hmm. But the difference that I see, here's the biggest thing. When I got out of the Marine Corps 22 years ago, I had young kids, 18, 19, 20 years old, thanking me for my service. That's very rare now, very rare that a teenager or somebody that's in their 20s would thank me wearing my uniform or whatever and actually come up to me and thank me as as a veteran. That worries me. That really does worry me. Even here in the South, that, that worries me where uh, people are, to me, it's not, it's not disrespect. Some of them are afraid to talk to veterans. They're like, you know, they want to stay separated from them because they look at us, you know, as some of us is mentally deranged. Right. That's, that's (laughs) not true. We've been through some, some terrible things and we're going to have some issues, but we're human beings like everybody else, you know, and, um, but a lot of them just have a hard time speaking with us because you know they think we're mean and dangerous, all that stuff. So, as I, as you can tell, I'm not. I don't think I'm dangerous. <laughs> At least not today.
2: <laughs> you know, it's really interesting because, as I shared, I grew up in a military family. My dad was in the Air Force. My brother um, went into the Marine Corps, and I remember as a kid how much respect and admiration I had for people in the military. And I just, I don't see that in America's youth today. And I don't know how much of it is because I'm not around military families as much anymore, or how much of it is that there really has been a shift. But what I want to ask, and I'd like to get, Mark, your perspective on this too, and Bud's Why do you think that is? What has changed about America that we don't, you know, inspire even in our youth, the same kind of respect and admiration for our military? Mark, I'll let you go first this time on that one.
1: Yeah, look, Rita, I think part of it is uh, just how we talk about the military, but it's also something that's functional, which is far uh, fewer people today in the United States know somebody that has served in the military than in our past. So you have a dad that served in the military, I have a son, but that's becoming more and more rare in the United States. And so when people don't have a personal experience with something, a positive personal experience, then they're more subject to the propaganda. We went through a period in American history, 1960s Vietnam War, and after that, we really had an anti-military culture. And I think a lot of that has affected our current culture.
2: Hmm. Yeah, Bud, how about you? What do you? What do you think has changed?
0: Well, two things. One is a huge population that is youth available, as they call it, being able to join the military are weak. They're weak physically. They're weak mentally. The reason I say that, I was a drill instructor for from 94 to 97, so I had firsthand experience of training people to become Marines. So I could pick out from day one – spend the first week with these kids. I'm going, you can make it. You're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. Cause you can just, you can tell what the basics was. So that's part That's part of it is what you have to work with as far as the changes. And so if the, all these kids are weak, they're not going to want to go in the military. Hmm. The second thing that I ha- want to add to this is the fact of how easy it is to get into college. It, there, when I was in high school, I think I may have known three or four people in my, you know, 60 student class Mm -hmm. that graduated high school, that even had a chance to go to college today. It's, you know, they pass it out like candy Mm -hmm. to whoever and anywhere you had to be capable of going to college to get into college. Well, today they'll take anybody just, you know, take a mirror. Can he breathe on the mirror, give him some money, and in they go, right? They're in college. So the, the military is really second nature to them. During our time frame, the military was a, believe it or not, a primary. It was in the bucket for you to do when you graduated high school. It wasn't, you know, secondhand, you know, if nothing else works, I'll go into military. It was always part of that, making that determination what you want to do with your life. I don't think that's there anymore. Hmm. I really don't.
2: Mark, I want to ask you what it was like for you when your son, Jacob, decided he wanted to join the Marine Corps. Did you have mixed him? I mean, I know you were proud of him because I know you're a person who has a lot of respect for our armed forces, but was there any part of you that you know was concerned because the culture around us doesn't have the same kind of respect for a choice to join the military today. How, how did that affect you as a parent?
1: Yeah. I mean, look, I think I had the normal concerns, which are just fear, right? your kids going into the Marine Corps, uh, no matter how old they are, they're always our babies. So to see your kid sign on the dotted line and know he's going to be in harm's way or potentially going to be in harm's way is always scary. I think it creates a little bit of extra respect, certainly for people in the military, but also for military parents. You know, if you've if you've been there and you've watched your kid sign on the dotted line and take that oath, you know there's that trepidation. And that trepidation never goes away. It goes through boot camp and are they gonna make it and how hard is it gonna be on them? It goes through when they get assigned to the fleet and then you worry about are they gonna get stationed somewhere that's dangerous? Are they gonna be called up for for active somewhere, sent into a theater of combat somewhere that's dangerous. So there's always the fear that goes with it. And I would add what you said, which is in today's culture, I worry about the woke military. I worry about, you know, do what I want my kid serving under Obama back at that time, who I don't believe had respect for the military or Joe Biden, who I don't believe treats the military with the appropriate amount of respect. and and awe that they deserve so i think all of those things were a concern all overridden by the fact that i know how good the military can be for people who need it and my son jacob was somebody who needed that level of discipline and structure he's a brilliant young man he's now a lawyer but i can tell you at the time he lacked structure in his life and nothing that patty and i could do had had created the appropriate structure for him or at work. And so to put him in a place or ha- he put himself in to have himself put in a place where he knew he was going to get the rails that he needed to run on. That part was very comforting. And I would say in the end, he came out a man. I mean, it really transformed him. He became very responsible. He became very organized. He became very disciplined, all things that have served him well coming out of school and getting his law degree and becoming a lawyer
2: yeah that's great that's a great story um all right well we are quickly running out of time but last question i want to spend a couple minutes on this again we're doing this program because it's veterans day weekend what are some ways that people can observe veterans day and honor our veterans on veterans day weekend and maybe just on other days bud how can we what should we be doing
0: that's a that's a great question i would have to say the 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 biggest thing that we that we can do is talk to everybody that's around us and especially veterans we know where the celebrations are going to be where the parades are going to be those kind of things so we need to talk to all our friends and our neighbors and say hey we're going to have a celebration here. You're glad to have you and so forth. So, the veterans also have to speak up about it. And I'm not doing it for myself. That's not the point. The point is, I'm doing it for all the other veterans to try to get people to continue to recognize there are many veterans in this country that have given tremendous sacrifice physically, mentally to the causes of this country. And they deserve our love and respect all the time. But this particular weekend, every year during this time frame, I love it because November 10th is the Marine Corps birthday. So we have this big Marine Corps ball where we get all dressed up in our uniforms and everything. And then uh, November 11th is Veterans Day. So then we get to spend another whole day and celebration and parades. I remember the Marine Corps League that I was with in Arkansas, we got invited to put a like a float together with all of us Marines on it. So we did put flags and all that, and we went on the parade. And I'll be darned if we didn't win second place in the parade just because we were sitting in the chairs and we we're a bunch of Marines. Mm. But they loved us. They, you know, they, they were just so proud of us of actually showing up and, and being part of that. So we need to make sure as as veterans, we need to make sure that we pass that pride over to the civilians to to come out and support the veterans.
2: Bud, thank you for your service and thank you for your time today.
0: Absolutely. It's my pleasure. It's always wonderful to see both of you.
2: And on behalf of our Little Crossroads team, I want to just say a personal thank you to those veterans listening or watching the program today. We appreciate your sacrifice and we're grateful for your service. I also want to thank our generous sponsors at Blue Ridge Chimney Services, Blessings Christian Bookstore, Sunshine Ministries with Christian Radio, Wishing Well Florist and Travel Services, and our good friends at New Beginnings Church and Garber's Church of the Brethren in Harrisonburg. Thank you all for listening and for your encouragement. If you would like to make a donation to help keep Crossroads on the air, you can do so by check to Crossroads at P.O. Box 881, Harrisonburg, Virginia, 22803. I'm Rita Peters with Mark Meckler, inviting you to join us again next week for another edition of Crossroads, where faith and culture meet.
1: Thank you for listening
0: to the Crossroads podcast. To learn more about Convention of States, go to conventionofstates.com.